Generations to Hunt podcast, where the goal is to learn together and further the culture of hunting. Welcome back to Generations of Hunt Podcast. It's just me here today, Joe, but with my special guests, I'll let them all introduce themselves. Yep. Um, Spencer Brackens, the owner and founder of Public Land Prowlers, um, here with my grandpa and my dad. Um, obviously, I'm the youngest of the three here, but just thankful to be here and let them tell you guys a little bit about themselves and the three generations of us just here to share memories and, and uh, tell, us, tell everybody about our journey. Yeah, I'm the old man of the group. I'm uh, Dana, Spencer's grandpa, and uh, I've been hunting since I was about, uh, oh, well, 15, and a neighbor got me into it, and what a hunt that was, one of my most memorable. Uh, had uh, Shannon with us, and he's out there hunting, and a lot of stories I could tell about him, but uh, we've we've learned a lot in this uh, time frame, and uh, three generations, and what I taught Shannon, Shannon's taught Spencer, and Spencer's added on to that. And we're just getting a good education and a sharing it amongst ourselves. I've spent a lot of time with uh, different companies. I've been with uh, uh, Carbon Express for eight years. I was their pro staff director. So I got to know a lot of the big names in archery and uh, bow manufacturers. Uh, I've changed over to the serious arrows simply because I'm not as steady as I used to be and I know I can get through that shoulder because we've done a lot of testing with them. I have to uh, use my rangefinder a little more but I'm fine with that. I, uh, I'm i 75 years old. I'm still out there. Shannon and I put in almost 100 years, 100, year, 100 miles of scouting this, this year <laughs> and uh, it, uh, it it paid off for us. We've we put a lot of boots on the ground and I would encourage anybody who's healthy to get out there and do it regardless of your age because you can still do it I'm proof of that all right I'm Shannon Brackens aka Pops uh going into our fourth year uh wait this is be next year will be our fifth year yep of um hunting public and in the beginning like I said uh I was really uh had a not a real good feeling about it because I just had heard so many ill stories about uh, hunting on public land. But after doing it and doing all the scouting, boots to the ground, and hunting, I enjoy hunting public land so much more uh, than private. And like Spencer said, I believe in our last one, it's something we've really grown to love. We really enjoy it. That's really cool. I mean, you guys are like the true testament of like what I'm trying to do with this podcast and make sure, you know, it just, the tradition carries on. And I mean, I'm really excited about this episode and, uh, you know, I, I, we did a pregame and I mean, this episode's going to be full of adventure and knowledge. I, I really hope so. Um, so you guys want to, I mean, I know how most of you guys' seasons went, so we'll kind of do like a round table like what do you how was yours spencer i suck <laughs> i'm with you i'm on that one so um 
Well, I started I, with you because you were, yours is going to be the quickest, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I didn't shoot a buck. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, uh, I was really aggressive to start the season. Um, I got into some areas on my target deer, and I had some great encounters. Um, some encounters I didn't get on film. Some I did um, just because the stuff I was hunting was so thick and so nasty. And if I didn't have a cameraman with me, I had my my brother came on a couple hunts with me that helped a lot. But um, I had some good encounters early. Um, my start of my rutcation was absolutely incredible. Um, I had like four encounters on one day that every deer I encountered was over 100 inches in, in the same sit. And I just... The one, the sun was in my face, and I was in an iffy tree. I knew going into the hunt, I was like, I don't know if this tree's going to get the job done, but I'm just going to try and get high and hope that I get out of their line of sight. And he came from a direction I did not expect him to come from. Sun was in my face. I had my glasses on looking into the sun. I had my camera looking into the sun. So there's a pair of lenses there. And he came down this dried-up creek bank. Like, I sh knowledge now is, well... That's what bucks do because thermals are going to pull there because it's wet soil, right? So he was cruising up this wet wet drainage and kind of like did this head nod underneath the brush and up and under. And it, he looked, as soon as he came underneath the brush, he looked up at me like I was the only tree and the only person in the entire woods and turned around and gone he was. And I, I got a little bit of him on film walking away, but um, that deer was 130 inches all day. I don't know who he was. I don't have a picture of him. Um and then that same morning I had um, a buck that I passed, which I posted those videos on Facebook. He was probably 100 inches, probably real close to that. And I had him at 12 yards and just simply passed him up, as you could see on our Facebook page. My bow was hanging on the hook, never even grabbed it. And then about 30 minutes later, I had a buck come behind us or behind me through the water. And I was at about three-quarter draw, and I stopped him with, man, stop. He turned and looked at me, and I was like, wait, he don't have brow tines. And um, I ended up letting down and letting him walk off, and uh, I thought he was just a big six with forks, but going back and looking at the footage, he had like four-inch brow tines. So I regret that one because I could have shot him at 30, 35 yards all day, and um, that was, like I said, that was my best hunt. And then it was like shortly after that, my season just went shoom right down the tubes, and to be completely honest, I um, I got a little bit tangled up and in, in love and uh, <laughs> let the rest of my hunting season you got go. Stuck to, in the rut. Yeah, yes. I <laughs> did. I got, I got in my own rut, <laughs> rut, uh, and um, I didn't hunt again after November fourteenth. I didn't touch the woods, so that's something that'll never happen again. I'm regretting it sitting here right now. How'd your season go? Well. Like I said, I'm uh, kind of old, and last year I struggled. I mean, I couldn't carry the weight of the stand and the sticks that I had and everything. And I, I was, these guys had to set up stands for me and carry them out, and I go out and hunt and drag them back in. But this year I made the switch to a saddle simply to save weight. I'm not a one sticker. <laughs> I, I don't think I'll ever be, but with the, uh, Ninja carbon sticks are really light. I can get out there with three sticks, four sticks, and I can get up 18 feet, which is more than I normally hunt. 
I try to, if a lot of people go high, I try to find areas where I can get up 10, 12 feet and be behind heavy cover. Del Cody de Quisto. Oh, yeah. And shoot over the top of the cover. That's what I like to do personally. And the saddle has worked out well for me. And I've tried to convince Spencer to at least give it a shot because that one that came in the wrong direction, he could have easily swung around a tree and be ready. But it's something that you've got to learn and experience for yourself. I've seen deer this year. Had a few run-ins with other hunters on public land, which is only natural. Uh, I ended up getting a doe. But uh, I also got a six-point, but I can't claim the six-point because a friend called me over to the house had been hit about 20 minutes in front of their house. Oh. I went over and picked it up. <laughs> it was good eating. <laughs> yeah, what did you do with that, though? Tell a story about what you did to the group. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, well, gotta. <laughs> I, I, saw, I got some, got, went over there and picked it up, and then I drug it out behind my house into the woods. I've got a little three acres back there and just some woods and so I've got this buck back the antlers are just flopping all over the place before it was hit. But I got a hold of them and kind of spread them out and held them up there real nice and had it pose real beautiful. And everybody <laughs> thought, look what this guy's got. Yeah. <laughs> Looked like he killed a hundred inch eight oh, point. Yeah. And he takes his bow and puts it beside the deer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, it got a little of attention and it just, we're a fun group, all of us, not just uh, the Brackens boys here, but uh, the, our whole team. We're, yeah. fun, we're a fun group. We'll have a lot of fun with each other. I do have a question. Do you have any troubles with the with your bow in the saddle or anything? Like, do you have any, like, with your bridge or your tether or anything like, coming in your way? I have not. Uh, I practiced when I first started using a saddle. I was a foot off the ground. Yeah. Well, I think right there you're above average because I, I don't know how many people I've heard they say they get up in the tree and that's the first time they're pulling the bow back when their deer's right there. I mean, well, that's probably mistake number one. Yeah, well, yeah you, I, I kind of pushed them to practice. I was yeah. like, listen, I've heard a lot of bad things about saddle and low shots from my deer tracking buddies. I said, let's just make sure that you practice a lot out of it. I not only practiced shooting down low, but I did get up higher and uh, as I got comfortable with it. And... Uh, well, Shannon can tell you, he's hung my tree stands for years, and Spencer's hung a couple of them, and I wouldn't go 10 foot. No. I, I, I mean, him. it reached a point where I was literally scared. A scared climbing the sticks, and I'd reach a point I couldn't go any higher. He'd get about 8, 10 foot, and he'd lock and up. He would just start clinging to the tree, holding on for life. Like uh-huh. he couldn't go but, nowhere. But uh, when, I, when I changed over to the saddle, using the, the lineman belt. Oh, yeah. And with the sticks and going up and having my hands free all the time, I I was up there thirty feet one time, yeah. thirty foot one time this year. Yeah, he's yeah. like a squirrel now. Yeah, I think that's the big thing too about saddles because I I mean I preach it so much, but I was so guilty of it of not carrying a harness with me when I used to do traditional stands. Like I would just like I would go up there and then by time I set my stand and all that, then I'm putting my you know harness you know on the tree and all that. I I wasn't tethered all the way up now you got a lineman you're going up there like you're almost not invincible but you're locked you, in yeah you're in there and well i had uh, uh shannon when he set my stand for me i had uh i've still got a lot of the uh, safety lifelines and, yeah. and he'd install that and even with that on it just yeah. it wasn't the same as filling that solid yeah lean 
Well, and, and the thing with that lean now, too, I mean, you can do it with regular, you know, traditional tree stands and all that. I, I didn't use that, the lineman that much, and now I my force to use a lineman you can hang a stand so much more efficiently oh, yeah. and all that because you last time i mean how many of you guys have ever put in a tree stand on with straps in your mouth oh, yeah. and i'm <laughs> using I yeah. still and, and hugging a tree trying to throw yeah. it around so you can grab it with your teeth yeah for sure <laughs> so for sure so I mean. it made a big difference in me i mean i i've i told these guys i'm cutting weight because i just can't carry what i used to carry no. I mean, but it's made a big difference. Uh, this year, I got back further and did more walking and actually more hunting than I have probably the past two years. Hundred percent. You hunted. You hunted right with us, even in Indiana. You were in and out of the woods, hanging hunt. I mean, to hang and hunt at seventy-five with a compound yeah. bow and a saddle. I mean, I now I I have to admit, I've dropped my poundage. I'm down to a fifty-pound uh, draw on my bow and. But it, it pulls so nice, and I can hold it. And yeah. we did testing with the, what were those, the hog shoulders or whatever we had, cows. Cow shoulders. Cow shoulders. And at 50 pounds, I was blowing through them. Even, yeah. We were even aiming for the knuckles of the shoulders and stuff. Yeah. I just want to say this. Growing up, I was always big on uh, the more weight you could shoot, the better. <laughs> and I always used to have, well, I shot through my deer at 70 pounds. Well, he looked at me. He was shooting like 60. Mm. He says, well, which deer's dead? Are yours at 70 or mine at 60? <laughs> <laughs> that's I very mean, true. It doesn't matter what you pull. So if you put it where you need to and it gets the job done. Yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are learning that too. Just with the, you know, everybody was like, you need 700 grain arrows and all that. But, I mean, if you got right arrow with right uh, right placement and all that as long as your arrow is tuned i think you, everybody should be golden right yeah. so. i was watching a show with uh just a brief pod uh video with michael waddell okay. and he was kind of talking about how everybody's preaching the heavy arrows and stuff and i agree with him it doesn't matter what arrow you use as long as you're happy using it right it doesn't matter if it's mechanical fixed blade if you hit don't, them where you're supposed to they're yeah. gonna die don't, i i have to disagree with that because i watched a michael waddell video exactly where, where the about. arrow hit right Bounce. where he was aiming and it bounced right off mm, yeah. now <laughs> and it flew good yeah. have you seen it, that video yeah i seen that video I mean, the arrow so i don't know what there, there are things beyond our control that is going to happen yeah and the reason that i shoot what i shoot is i have confidence in it i've tested it and i know that it'll work even if i make a mistake yep same here that's the reason that I've, I mean, what would we test 25 different broadheads oh, yeah. between fixed and mechanical? And, mm. and that's shot, on our YouTube channel. Yeah, and we shot multiple different shafts at different weights. And just we all kind of came up with, hey, I like this number. I like this number. When we shoot everything from 410 grains to 650, right. there's a difference between all of us. And it's just whatever fits us. And yeah, whatever. Uh, like the only thing that we've noticed, and you can see it in our videos, is since we've went to the heavier arrows, we have not had a deer go past 60 yards. I and mean, if you take out their shoulders, the deer anatomy, they're built just like we are. If you put your arms to your sides, where's your vitals? Hidden, v. hidden behind your shoulders, right? Yeah. So that's the way God designed us and animals is to, and your vessels and everything tie closer together up front. So when you shoot them through your shoulders, they're not only taking away the running mechanism to allow them to get farther, 
but you're also getting closer to where all the vessels and everything tie together. And we, me and my dad specifically, have noticed a huge difference. My deer used to go to 100 to 130 yards on a lung shot. Now they're not going. I literally in the the what have I shot three deer in the shoulders on film now, yep. two does and a buck, yep. and not one has made it past 60 yards at all. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, literally they go down on film. And the other thing about uh, the heavy arrows that we're shooting is I think you can even see it on Shannon's video. It looks like he just clips a little branch. Or 100% he does. And that arrow tracks right back because it's heavier. got that heavier front of center pulling it through. Was it a fix or uh, it's fixed blade. a fixed blade? Yeah, yeah, me and Spencer did a live uh, video on that on Facebook uh, actually describing that and why we use the heavy arrow and a fixed blade combination combination where i used to like for 10 years i shot like a 380 green arrow with a mechanical and i so i told the guys shoot what you're happy with i'm basically going off in my personal experience that could have went bad if he was shooting a mechanical light arrow because that the um arrow hit the branch about five yards in front of the deer so think about how much ricochet five yards could have happened he could have ricocheted and hit the hit the deer in the neck i mean anything but like zach farinball from the hunting public is a prime example of heavy arrows cutting through stuff he shoots through grass a lot and he spoke on his testing of shooting through grass with light arrows and mechanicals and heavy arrows with fixed blades he's like i feel confident that i can hit grass 10 yards in front of my animal and still hit where my arrow is aiming because it's not getting thrown around like a rag doll right and you get that early deployment and there's so much a lot of times there's so much force with that early deployment when it hits the hide or whatever it'll just snap them blades right yep. off and loses so much energy if you were even to go in it's lost so much energy like yeah. you say yeah right let's get off heavy arrows though because people hate hearing about oh it, i know so. yeah i mean it's, <laughs> we could spend five episodes about oh, that yeah. nobody could, wants to listen to heavy yeah. arrow talk it's all over the internet <laughs> oh I, yeah well i shot light arrows for many 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 years and i killed buffalo i've killed elk i've killed moose i've killed bear i've killed a lot of big animals with light arrows but i'm happy with what i'm shooting now and i trust it so shoot what you're happy with and you are comfortable with confidence kills more deer than skill for sure let's uh let's get into your hunt that's that's the best uh, of the year i think uh i'll start before the actual hunt i remember spencer i was looking for a spot me and him went over an area where actually he shot his uh doe late season the year before he had a pin uh on my phone and i got in there and i couldn't i thought i was there and so i set up and then the pin that he set was actually another like 20 yards uh to the west so i'm setting up and Right at prime time, all of a sudden, I look to my left, and here come a buck walking through. He was a 120, 130. And I got it on video. I thought he was a little bit smaller. Just a quick look at him. We got back to camp, and everybody was looking at it on film. They said, no, that was a shooter all day. That was 125, 120, 130, somewhere in there. And so... He comes back to camp, and I'm madder than Oh, he is. He says, you didn't go where I put the pen? I I said, no, I went here. He says, yeah, you should have went another 20 yards farther. (laughs) And I know how it is when you get in there. Sometimes your blue service and your blue dot on your coordinates I mean, makes you look like you're somewhere you're not. Yeah, or or you, or you think. You're, but I had given him a specific landmark. I was like, "There's okay. a giant hickory nut, smooth 
bark tree that that's where you need to be yeah and, and anyways i also my out the area that we hunt and i get horrible phone service i get out there nine and a half times out of ten no service no service no service and you always tell yourself for you to like when i get back i'm gonna download the off offline map yeah. and all that and then you never do it. Yeah, it it's not only that it's also like uh trying to stay in touch with guys in the group or things yeah. like that right but uh so kind of missed that opportunity and i believe that was like the second or the third of october it's like we were talking about last year your first sit in an area is your best chance to get them that was our first sit in there that year and just missed it mm. and uh so me and spencer we came back he had to go drop his work truck off and we were going to go check an area out where him and my dad uh scouted earlier in the year and they found a spot and right off the parking lot about 30 40 yards somewhere in there there was probably like 10 to 15 scrapes and they actually they nicknamed it the scrape yard what time of the year was that uh that was october 15th well no when we found oh when you uh found the area you scouted it early uh what was the middle later august yep and they hunt and there was so that anybody that knows michigan deer it was the middle of august and we had already found a spot with 10 scrapes Mm. i mean not not just scrapes but rubs and branches broken off like licking branches and i'm talking not scrapes that are 10 inches wide by 10 inches like scrapes bigger than this table (laughs) which they can't see but it's a round table we're sitting at with four chairs so yeah i mean that's like the hottest sign you're, it was you're waiting fire. for in like late november and all right this. and the, i and mean the, late october and stuff right. like the worst thing of it was we looked around and man this is a hot area but it's so close to the road and parking lot you know this is, they're here at night and we turn and look and what 25 yards over is a big old ladder stand set yep. up right there over top of everything yeah so then yeah so we get back uh from getting uh his dropping his uh van off we stop there we go pull the camera because we put a camera in there in August right? when we found it. And so it was that time of the year that we were starting to see rubs, a few scrapes, and just a little bit of chasing. So October 15th, and it right? was uh, Yeah, it was supposed to rain that night. Good thunderstorm, supposed to rain most of the night. So me and Spencer wanted to push back in, see if we can find some fresh sign. We got back in there, and we were walking, and we were finding quite a few scrapes. Some of them were kind of old, but and then we were finding uh, quite a few uh, rubs. And we come across this little area that had a little creek going through there. And there was like at the base of the there was like two or three rubs, vertical rubs. And I mean, he just shredded them. Fresh. He shredded them. And so there was a trail on each side, and Spencer saw a tree right there, and he wanted to see what was on the other side because there's a lot of real low brush. Autumn olive is what it was, wasn't it? Yeah. And while we're right there, so that's we're only eighty to a hundred yards from where those scrapes are at the parking lot. Like I'm talking, those scrapes were literally fifteen to thirty yards from the parking lot, and now we're only eighty to a hundred yards from the parking lot. There's a little bedding area just adjacent to the parking lot, and just gets walked by because it's literally rabbit thicket. You right. can't get through it. So, yeah, and so. that's a Marion Springs, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Spencer wanted to look at it, and he took one of the sticks that we had with us to take the camera down. He set the stick on the tree, went up, and he looked, and there was like a little bowl. It's like 15 yards by 15 yards. And got looking at it, and said and there's like a trail going through there. And we went through the bowl to the other side of the thicket. It was like a little, kind of like a little pinch going through there. And got in there, there's a couple more rubs, and a really, really, really fresh scrape with tracks in it. And we knew, okay, with all that's like the fourth or fifth scrape that we found and like the sixth or seventh rub, really fresh. And like we talked about uh, 
we did a lot of research uh, in the scrape hunting towards the rut. You want to be in the bedding area and find scrapes in the bedding or right on the edge. Them are going to be your most effective, effective scrapes to hunt to have a better chance of getting a buck during daylight. So we picked that, that tree that he put the stand the stick on. We looked at it from the other side of the bowl, and he says, yeah, I think that's going to be the best tree. And so, It's a dead ash tree. Yeah, <laughs> and, we got a lot of them. I mean, <laughs> And anything over eight feet, or uh, you're basically you're right in the wide open. Anywhere in any tree around there. Right. I mean, literally, it's just autumn olive and dead ash trees. Oh wow! So there's no, no. canopy or nothing, no. even for how the early autumn olive is covered in green. But yeah. that stuff only goes six to eight foot. And right. Everything above that skyline. Most Michigan deer, they walk with their heads up. And <laughs> how high was your stand, Shannon? That's I was going to go into after I uh, I set the stand. And, and I could reach up, it's probably as high as your beam right there, it's probably like seven and a half feet. I could reach up from the ground and touch it with the tip of my fingers. The so, bottom of your stand? Yes. Yeah, so wow. we picked that tree, and the next day, it, well, it rained, because prior to us even scouting that bedding area that day, I had him pull up his weather, and it was supposed to thunderstorm, like he said. And that was the reason that we decided to push in it anyways, because we were like, all right, if we push in there, our scent's going to get erased tonight. And it'll give you a fresh hunt on these fresh scrapes because he's going to want to come back and hit those scrapes and freshen them. So we debated back and forth. He's like, man, should I hunt it in the morning or should I just go in there in the evening? I said, I think it's kind of going to be an evening spot. And he ended up, we ended up going in there in the morning because we're like, we can't not. There's just too hot a sign. And these scrapes, he's going to come back and visit them. So he went in there and hunted it in the morning. And what was your stand? You said seven foot? Yeah, about seven feet. And got in there. I was just finished my... Uh, uh, interview for that morning and I looked over and just caught a glimpse and I saw antlers sticking out of the brush and I my bow was on my left so I turned around to grab my bow and as I come back and kind of just walked into the brush he didn't run off or snort or anything or act scared and he just kind of wandered off and oh man I hope I didn't blow it mm-hmm. and he thing, hadn't seen a deer it's like 9:45. no it was uh I it was like 9.15. I did, oh, my, I did oh. my interview at like 9.10. About okay. five, ten minutes right after I did my interviews when I seen that deer. Then as soon as he walked off, not even five minutes, I heard something walking in front of me. And then here come, I seen it. It was a little buck. It was like a little eight point. He's like 18 yards. And then as soon as I seen him, I said, nah, I ain't what I'm looking for. Especially with that buck that I saw. And that night before, we looked at the camera pictures and we had five bucks in there. All of them, 110 to 124 of them. And one of them... And there was a 140 to 150. If not bigger. Like, he was pushing 160. I'm not joking. The scrapeyard was a scrapeyard. Oh, yeah. It was buck plethora. And seeing that and knowing what we had on camera with the fresh sign in there, I said, there's no way I'm shooting that. Right. And the thing is, is that deer was 80 inches all day. Like, I've watched the film on my screen up close and zoomed in, and the deer was all of 80 inches. And that, we just, he didn't... He didn't shoot him. I was shocked, honestly, when well, I watched the footage back. After I, like, I wow. seen the buck and I seen that one, he just didn't get me excited, you know. Right. And that's, you know, like you say, whatever gets you excited. And so he w- went through the creek. I got up some video of him going up through the creek into the bedding area. He was uh, in there for about 10 minutes, and I heard another one in, out in front of me. And all of a sudden, I heard a grunt. And then he comes through, and he's... Uh, started seeing, chasing a doe and she comes up through the little bowl and she got halfway through that bowl and she acted like she smelt something I mean as soon as she got to a certain point she just turned and wheeled she was out of there he come through and he kind of did the same thing and I think what was happening I had a little creek right to my right my left 
and the wind was coming over my uh, right shoulder just a little bit, and at the front of that bowl, my wind was swirling. In that bowl? And they were catching my thermal. Okay. And so that I came back that night, and I did my interview and everything, and probably about half an hour or so after I do my interview, right where I seen the antlers that morning, I seen them again. But I made the decision before I got all set up, instead of having my bow on my left where I would have to turn around and grab it, I put every, my bow on my right, right beside the camera. That way I would, everything's right there. I ain't got to make all that extra movement. Right. And so when I seen him, I uh, had the Tacticam up on a branch above me, got the Tacticam turned on, turned my camera on, got my bow, and I was just literally hooked up and waiting for him. He sat there, and he was just slowly working his way out, browsing, smelling the wind. It took him like 20, 25 minutes to work 15 yards, just browsing. I'm, I'm sitting there shaking, and my, knee, my knees are knocking for like 25 <laughs> minutes. Come on, dude. And at one point, it looked like he was going to turn around and walk out the other way. And how far is he from you right, right He's probably there? Probably about 22 yards. Oh, and you just no angle on that? So, uh, no, no I had a tree. He was behind some automatos uh, and a big tree right there. I was waiting for him to get out just past that And tree. you can literally see that in the footage. Yeah, right. if you go to our YouTube, it's called Pops Michigan Buck is the name of the video. And you can see he's he does exactly what he said that doe. Well, so if you're if you're looking at this from a podcast perspective imagine your tree is on the bank of a creek and in front of you is a bowl in the middle of a bunch of autumn olive not really a bowl but just an opening kind of a little bit of a bowl and it's probably 15 by 15 but the wind is coming at like a 45 degree angle across that bowl kind of towards the creek and you and imagine that bowl being a racetrack for your thermals and that buck what do you do he like you say at the far end of that bowl the northwest corner of it he sat there smelling the wind, take, just looking and browsing, browsing, nose up, browse, nose up. <laughs> and just taking his time. And uh, he finally worked out and he took another uh, nibble on the brows and he took a couple steps. And as he was saying, okay, he's coming out. And just as he stepped out past that tree, his uh, hind legs got to it. Looked like I had the shot. I got pulled back. And when I shot, just as the arrow was about to hit the deer, I watched it kick just a little bit and... Then it actually, I watched it. it. went right through the front shoulder, and when the deer took off, I saw it laying on the ground. And I attribute that uh, to, like I say, the heavy arrow is why I, I didn't hit too much off from where I was aiming. Because you hit that branch five yeah. yards in front of the deer, and yeah. you're only pulling... I'm pulling 55 pounds. Yeah, so but, he just blew through a three-and-a-half-year-old's shoulders yeah. after hitting a branch. <laughs> little little heart sink for a moment, doesn't it? When, it, oh, when, you, uh, when you see your arrow just... Like, well, as soon as I seen it kick, yeah, I did that then. But as soon as after it kicked, I saw it where it hit him. And that's right. where I, I credit the light at knock and everything, seeing it. And I knew it was a good hit when I seen it. And being self-filmed, we're all self-filmed. Once in a while, we got a cameraman or one of us will go with the other. But 95% of the time or more, it's all self-filmed. And the footage that he got is incredible you, I mean, you need you need to look at that footage for somebody that's self-filming and i'm really thankful for the tacticam that he had up here mm-hmm. because it it will run continuous and s- cycle so if you turn it on you can sit there and wait 30 minutes and if it goes through the, the card it'll just start over right so you get the footage that you need and, and the excitement and everything right. that he got with that was just something that set the standard for us to follow this yeah. year. I mean, it was just fab- fabulous, and I got to give him credit for doing a great job. Yeah, because self-filming, I mean, like 
Like you all probably know how many times a camera has saved a deer's life from just not getting the right shot or not the light, not right light or whatever. Or honestly, pops is, I don't know, man. He, the first year that I like got him into filming and I started this, we weren't even doing public land at this point. Oh, He's man. like, if I got an opportunity on a deer and I can't get it on film, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, that don't cut it. Like we have to get our kills on film. That's what we do. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. I, if I got a shot on a deer, I ain't gonna, I, I ain't gonna pass it up if I can't get on film. And, I, I was so and every every situation since we started publicly in Prowlers, every situation that he's had to kill a deer, he's killed it on film. So for him, I can't say that very many deer's lives have been saved because of the camera. But for me. Hundred percent, because I just explained one in the start well, of this. Gla glasses get us, Spencer. Yeah, it's no. just a, a, a trait you got to inherit. The thing from is, me. is I can see good enough without my glasses. I just need to stop wearing them when I hunt. I but. even went to contacts on. I wore contacts many years, but I just I don't feel comfortable hunting in them. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But then we uh, ended up going to Indiana and stuff. Uh, the first night I was there, I I actually went back to where Spencer shot his butt. There's some flagging tape. The year right before. Yeah, the year before. And that's right where the tree where I set my, where I shot my buck at, there's flagging tape going through there. And I didn't want to set up there. Somebody's going to come walking through. So I decided to go back there. I got set up. I found some real nice fresh rubs. And next thing I know, I heard him walking through the swamp behind me. Came up, I'm pretty sure it's real close to where uh, he shot his. And does come out. And then I heard a buck grunt. He kind of chased him. And... The rest of the trip was there. I think I seen a couple deer, young ones, and I seen a small four point. But he was not leaving that spot because the first night he seen a decent. Oh, buck. I seen a real nice one, and he was uh, actually showing running behavior. So I was hoping y'all. You know, he's like, he's like, what I was leaving. the time frame of this? November. Uh, November. Uh, I think it was the fifth that okay. we actually hunted. I think we fourth. got. No, it was the fourth. We got night there the, the day of the, the third day after everything stopped. Right. <laughs> yeah, because all my friends locally were like that live down there locally because i used to guide down there so i got a lot of indiana friends and they're like man it's on fire get here i'm like let me get there it'll be the weekend but i'll be there don't worry like so we're all jacked up that we're gonna get there on perfect timing because everybody's like it's red hot here right now and they're always like they're either a week before us or a week after us and like we hit it right once out of three years so far. Yeah. So it's just a gamble. Yeah. And um, did you notice an influx of more hunters or anything? Um, that area, it's getting some pressure. Um, we just missed the rut. I think we didn't have problems with hunters this year. Us. Brandon and Zach did, but you know them. They love hunting right next to the parking lot, so... We were like, listen, man, it's not Michigan. There, these people here hunt next to the parking lots. And um, they they had a frustrating trip, as did I, though. I mean, I was hunting a phenomenal bedding area that we had a cell camera in all year down there. And I was using straight-up creek access from the point I got out of the field of the parking lot. Creek access from there, 800 yards to where I was hunting. And there was not a soul in sight. And I seen the same spike horn three days in a row with two does. And there was torn up fresh big buck sign all around me, and it just, he was nowhere, nowhere to be seen. I don't know what was, we literally, like he just said, we were there one day too late because everybody that was saying it was red hot, I would message and be like, what are you guys seeing? They're like, it's like a, somebody shut off the water. Mm. It just went dead the day we got there. So it was yeah. like, dang it. You got yeah. like a We've seen of lots of sign, but didn't see 
very many deer. I got a glimpse of a big one on yeah. the last night. That's what I thought. You and got a glimpse like, of him, but he was way out. It was like 70 yards, and it was after film light. It's just, But I don't know if it was like he had already bred his doe, and he was up looking for another one or, or what it was, but it was a real quick glimpse. I don't even know how big he was. I'm, we had a real big 10-pointer on camera, and I was, that's who I was trying to kill. It was He's probably 130 or 140s. And, and, and in, I had never hunted Indiana. Is like the doe buck ratio is pretty even on like on like Michigan. It, where I'd it, compare it to where we hunt. Oh, down there is about like Michigan. I would say they have bigger bucks by more, um, but I would say that's only because their hunters know not to shoot one and a half and two and a half year olds as much as Michigan. They still do, but I think that as far as the buck to doe ratio, I would say that they're pretty close to us. I would just say that their bucks have a better age caliber. Yeah, and that a lot of that's too is because it's a one buck tag. State. Yeah, that makes a big difference for it's, sure. I wish Michigan would go to one buck, one buck, and I wish they'd go APR. I wish they'd go APR all across the state. Yeah, APR. I think APR is this. I think that's a good idea. It's working. Yeah, yeah. And I'll for be sure. honest. Um, a lot of my tactics going into this next year are. Um, I'm going to be pushing north 100%. All like I've, northern Michigan? Yeah. Um, I've been scouting out some really good stuff that I think uh, is going to be the cat's meow. I have really, really, really been scouting it hard on satellite. I look at it about every single night. and I've even pulled up Google Earth, and I've pulled up some other ones, and I've pulled up some ag maps to notice what what's planted where and what their crop rotation is. and. It's looking like it's going to be all soybeans around us this upcoming year. It was all corn this year, so I'm hoping that a lot of deer survived. And that it's an APR zone, and it's small pieces with no parking lots at all. There is zero parking lots. So what do you do on that? Do you, is there you got to drop somebody off, <laughs> or, you, or you can you you can legally park on side on the side of the road in okay, Michigan as I, long as fifty percent of your vehicle is off the side. Okay, so. You get your left tire to the white line, you're perfectly safe. We actually did a camera north this year. I put one, uh, a cell camera. Real remote. Uh, really remote, and I thought I had water access right back, step off 15 yards to be able to hunt it. Right. And I've got a lot of bucks and does on it, but there was never any big ones. But this was all forest area. There was no crop, no anything around, so it was mostly just the uh, browse that they could find off the trees and the nuts and things mm-hmm. the acorns and stuff but not one all and it was out for what three months yeah about three months not one person walked by that camera mm-hmm. i mean so north north you're not going to get as much pressure especially during the archery you got to think about it we're in flint right now right yeah so we hunt east and west of here right majority so you've of got people. lapeer Okay. Yep. You've got Flint, you've got Davison, and you've got Oakland. People will go down to Oakland. Well, yeah. yeah. So you've got Clarkston, all them places, right? That are huge populations. Okay. And as a line across our state, you got Lapeer, Davison, Flint, um, Lansing, basically. You got Lansing, Owasso, yeah. um, St. John, Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids. Yeah. Those are all pretty populated places and so they're all basically within 30 minutes of all the public straight around line here. yeah and people are hunting that straight line from yeah. those big populated areas yeah. so we're gonna try and 
even southern michigan i mean you gotta think about it cold water they're really close they're not far from jackson they're, i mean they're right. not close but they're not far jackson's always on the top of like like michigan buck bowls or whatever you always see jackson county just but killing it pounded but, but they're mostly public. private yeah they're mostly private i have to say like they're mostly the waterloo, probably are private the waterloo we've hunted and and the um i forget what the other marsh it's waterloo and there's another one called marsh something um and then river raisin they're all right there in jackson and we've hunted it and it's just absolutely destroyed with pressure i mean like worse than maple river marion springs it's bad yeah and so i literally told these guys i said i'm pushing north i'm getting the hell out of here like i am over having cell cameras in areas that i just think are so remote and nobody's gonna get close to these areas there's no way in hell anybody's getting back here unless they do exactly what i do walk through this creek 800 yards, bring a boat in, get out exactly where I go, come in. like, And I'm still getting people on camera. It's like, what in the world is going on? And I like, the most irritating part for me is like, they're legit areas. Like I'm getting 140, I had 140 class eight point on camera. Like I was on his ass all year. And then I'd get a guy walking through the bedding area in the middle of the day with his kid. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing back there? What the heck? And then I don't get that deer oh. on camera for two weeks. Oh, and the other big thing is like uh, marsh funnels. Yeah. Have a uh, one of our uh, vines out, make a scrape. Have guys walk up. What's this? Grab your vine with their bare hands and. Oh. Right. <laughs> and two weeks before season, camera. we got it all on cell camera because oh. our cell cameras are up there. So I mean, literally, like we had four or five different groups of people coming and like, oh, what's this? Let me put my. I, I was pretty upset. I said, let me put my dick beaters all over it. Yeah. I was not a happy person, man. We had one spot where we had a camera. It was called Papa's cell cam back in there. And we were getting pictures of nice bucks coming down onto the crop fields constantly, constantly. with it. And we didn't go back there. He went way back behind there and came in. And put another camera and put on another the back side. Back side and was getting nice pictures back there. And I finally, okay, it's time for me to go in and slip in and hunt that. And I go down there to slip in, and I drop over down a, off a ridge. And here's flagging tape and a trail cut three foot wide running as close to me as, well, two foot <laughs> from the tree that the camera's in. Home. And and the trail's out there about 10 yards from the So the, the camera, camera was just too high. It wasn't taking pictures of them, but it was getting all the deer in front of it. So they were walking right under our camera and never even knew it. And they, they cut a trail in there. I mean, three foot wide with flagging right tape through. all the way out to the river. And it was, what, 800 yards? Oh, all from, of from the, From the Pendant Road? Oh, more than that. The camera was like 1,400 yards from the parking lot. And this and, is for like hunters or yeah, they were just like like I don't know what they were doing. I don't they were walking they... right through the heart of the bedding area for no. Re- I mean, it is like the primest bedding area you could yeah. ever. Not it's only like, walking through it, but cutting trails through it. Yeah, it's like tall grass and a river bottom with like dead ash trees and like a little bit of mixed in pickers and like just prime big buck bedding. Yeah, so they can and, drive their quad to the stand. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it was when he sh- sent the picture to the group. I was like, you have absolutely got to be kidding me. And That's then so- there's. Uh, uh, some a group of uh, a lot of them I think they're from the Grand Rapids area they come out there and hunt and a lot of them you'd be sitting there and they like to just walk and hunt with their cross they're ball. still hunters still man. hunting there'll be there'll be three of them they'll be 65 yards apart and just in a line stalking the woods oh yeah right I mean and they will go as far as like we talked to them at, and they will go anywhere I mean they're like walking doesn't bother us we'll go anywhere Jesus. Any and distance, 
any obstacle, any water, they'll go through it. <laughs> yeah, that's not. We watched them actually do that, and they uh, shot like two deer out there. Took them like two hours to go out and drag the deer out with a jet sled and everything. Took three or four of them. That's and that's in the, the western part of the, the public that we hunt. Yeah. Like Maple River, Marion Springs, yeah. St. John's, all that. So I, I would say, like, I cut my teeth on the, the north. Like, uh, you guys know where Glenny is? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I that's where we have property at. And it's, like, mostly our butts to the Huron National Forest. And that's where I hunt. But, I mean, I've only – I've never taken a buck up there. I've only taken, like, a, a dozens of does. But – um but yeah, I mean, it's just like we're we're even landlocked, and we have people somehow. I don't know, understand how these people get quads back there. Like, it's just there's no trails. There's no trails, but you get quads. The one all the thing time. that I've learned is like never think that you're where somebody isn't. No, because yeah. I have been in some remote areas, even this last season. That's like like my number one tactic. You said you wanted to talk about our number one tactic yeah. going into the next year, and mine is get the hell away from people in cities i mean i i don't even care if i have to hunt if i if guess what you can only andre de says you can only kill as a big of a buck as that you can kill that's in your area right you can only kill the biggest deer in your area so if up north only offers me 80 inch deer i'm gonna shoot an 80 inch deer because i mean i would rather hunt an 80 inch deer that's not getting bumped around every day and have be able to do my hunts to kill him rather than hunt 140 inch deer that's getting pushed around every other way and then i'm getting frustrated because it's like i'm running in circles for this deer like this isn't this is an unkillable deer so that's my number one goal is to get away from the big big populated cities like we just said in this right here along this i-69 corridor where we're at is just pounded with let me let me ask you this question have you guys seen the matt ranella article come out a while ago so basically, he Steve Ronaldo's brother. Yeah. Uh, basically, he's saying that influencers, you know, Instagram YouTubers or whatever, is ruining hunting for everybody. So I mean, you don't have to answer it, but like my eyes, it's like a double-edged sword. Yes, everybody wants. We want. You know, we want generations. We want our kids to go, and then we got the kids and kids. We want. We want. To, we want the industry to boom. We want more right, to bow to sales. We want yeah. more hunters and all that. But then, then we can't find no words. You know, people are buying up more leases because they're sick of public land. Now leases are harder to get, and then there's more, you know, crowding of public land. So, I mean, what's your guys' take on that? I can. Well, the take I have on it, we were talking to someone about it, is especially with the uh, new mobile hunting. We honestly think that more, it's like the new high for a lot of people. More it's, and more people are going. Let's, what's this all about? I want to try it. Like and hunting public land and killing public land deer now has become the cool thing. Right along, pe- with people stick are boat. leaving, yeah. actually leaving private land to go hunt public land. I I I listened to one podcast where a guy I can't remember who it was, but he said that uh, it's much easier now to go knock on a door of some farmers and get permission to hunt the private land than it is to go out and kill a big buck on public land because the farmers are getting tired of the deer eating all their crap and nobody hunting them. Yeah. I mean, it's like I know of five farms right now I could go knock on the door and have permission to hunt that are prime, but I can't because <laughs> I'm a public land prowler. So that's, I mean, I started this two years before the whole public land fad went crazy. Like 
just right along with the heavy arrows like we got into it right before the industry went crazy with it and um it's i would say that you're 100 percent right um i think that people like dan infall or andre de which andre doesn't do too much public anymore at all um but i think that their fan bases with their style of hunting people see that they're the guys that are consistently killing big deer and they want to be like them yeah. right and who doesn't they're big buck killers i mean they them guys absolutely kill them but who doesn't want to kill big deer consistently like they do you know and they're they're, they're influencing i'm not getting up at two o'clock in the morning waiting <laughs> to swamp up to my neck like dan does and sitting in a tree stand for four hours before daylight just to kill a big buck yeah. i don't want it that bad right. <laughs> and i think too that why like the i guess the popularity but um it's so like there's so much information with podcasts and videos and all that now it's just like you got so much you can learn 30 years of tactics with like you know the hunting beast form and all that yep. like stuff like I don't know when you guys were, what did you guys have no, when you were younger? We, I mean, we we still had the videos when I was growing up. I mean, we had the Noel Feathers and uh, the Winslow brothers, Barry and Gene. Dan and, Fitzgerald. And Dan Fitzgerald. And, you know, there was, there was plenty of them, but it wasn't as available so quickly. You had to get the videos. You had to spend the time watching and stuff. And we it got, wasn't a one click away like it is. No. Yeah, we got a lot of information from those guys, and and it was entertaining also, not just the information of it, right? But things just like anything else, like the bow. I mean, we've gone from a, a stick bow to the compounds and the recurves and the, you know everything else in between. Everything changes, and you have to adapt and make it work for you. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do is trying to make adapt what's going on now, adapt and make it work for us. Yep. 100%. I think that uh, it's funny that you just used that word because I have something coming for our clothing apparel line that's got the word adapt in it <laughs> because that is 100% what public land is. You have to adapt. There's no other way to kill deer if you... If you don't adapt, you will not be successful at well, That's all. exactly what you said last year in the fall, right before season. You were talking about that buck that Brandon shot, learning to adapt to the deer that you're hunting. Every deer is different. Right. Every and you guys kind of taught me, you know, I didn't do too much public land this year, um, but you guys were telling me, like, half the time, you're not even hunting the, the deer. I mean, you're obviously the sign and all that, but you were working the pressure you know you're using the hunter more exactly. than more than the deer sometimes because oh, yeah. you're like okay they're all hunting this this corner or parcel over here heavy right here well they ain't gonna be there they're gonna be over here on the other side yeah, yeah. so the deer yeah. are gonna go where the people aren't and that's why that scrape yard right up next to the road that's a parking lot 80 yards or 100 yards or less from a parking lot where the big deer was staying because nobody was going over there they're pushing back they were walking through so if you were looking at this this piece straight on it's really really thick on the left down the middle is the walking path and it's kind of like bushy but they made walking paths go through it crp and then on the right it's kind of like a mix of thick with crp again but on the left hand side of this parcel up by the parking lot it is so thick you can't walk through it and everybody's like all right 
that's really close to the road. It's really thick. I can't walk through it. There's probably no deer over there. High insight. That's where I want to be. Yeah. I want to be in the thicket where nobody is because I know that's where the deer are and where they feel safe the, moving the in daylight are, hours. The deer adapt better than we do. Oh, well, yeah. Also, <laughs> like you've always said, what do you have to think like to be successful? Yeah, you have to think like if a deer. If you're going to kill a deer, you got to think like a deer. Right. Yeah. And, and then the, then you got the, like the other aspect of like somebody like I've been hunting public land for 10 years and I haven't seen anything. There ain't no bucks. Well, he hunts the same stand same every wind. year. Every win. Yeah. Every, I, yeah. No, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. Tuesday through Friday. He's hunting yeah. the same stand, 100%. you know, and he's not doing nothing. So you mentioned Tuesday through Friday, uh, being retired that that helped me quite a bit because I would get out during the week. And I was seeing deer. I just weren't getting the shots. He got he got busted a couple of times this year. Yeah, I, <laughs> I got busted a couple of times. But, I but wasn't, he was on him. I wasn't fighting the pressure that we would see when we'd be out on a weekend. Because right. And I, also, you hunted closer to the road a lot, which I, is a yep something that we're adapting to. Yeah, <laughs> I was one one place. I had a, a a bunch of deer come through, and I couldn't have been more than forty yards from the road. No, the, and that's the thing is. How many times you drive back roads in the middle of nowhere, like most public land is, and how many times you see deer cross the road? Deer don't have a problem crossing the road. So if their natural travel route is to go across that road every evening to get to a crop field on the other side of a block of woods or something, you just got to cut them off. So um, that's something that we're going to do a lot of. Bedding, food, and getting between them. Yep. Yeah. Um, you taking pictures of me? Yeah. I'm going to sell them. <laughs> oh, you should. <laughs> you got any feet pics Check for me? Check out my OnlyFans, <laughs> dog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you can strive to mine. Mine's a uh, one-pump chump. <laughs> I just hit batting practice naked. <laughs> <laughs> Never struck out a bet. <laughs> nope. <laughs> man, I got I to gotta pump me up, man. I got to get the clout going, man. I got you guys. I need photos. That's the worst thing I do. Like, I always, like, forget to take photos. And, like, like a week later, I'm, like, trying to, like, I'm like oh, trying oh, what to, photo can I use yeah what yeah. photo can I use or whatever like and, like I tried taking some videos of like the stuff so I mean I'm that's what I'm trying to that's what I'm failing at the most on this podcast is like using social media so that's why I like you guys I like you guys as a structure you guys are doing a really good job on your YouTube and all that I appreciate so, it man it's we, we give all that credit to Spencer because yes, he's he started it all he's taking care of it all and he works himself to death sometimes and I keep telling him he needs to uh designate some responsibility to other people but uh it's, he ain't ready to it's do hard it's hard because sometimes it's like it, some people like always want to get into the industry and like they go oh i want to start this or whatever and like now i started the podcast like there's like a lot of times like like this one i'll film it and then i'm having to edit it and all this and you know i got other responsibilities i mean youtube i mean it's just not like you go out film it and then you post it the next day i mean it's just there's a lot of times you know it's just saying not all cut and dry you know but. oh i know exactly what you're saying like in the summertime we'll go live and post something real quick off the phone a lot of the videos that we do with our camera and everything here's the card spencer and he spends four fact, or five he's got mine now <laughs> i mean come certain times of the year he's spending after he gets out of work and then he's on the computer trying to edit everything get it ready to get it on youtube it's a lot of work yeah, I'm out of work. I'm I'm glad to hear you say that about the channel, though. I mean, we don't get enough feedback from 
it's outsiders it, looking in because i mean i look at it and i'm like man i feel like our stuff is killer yeah like my dad's hunt this year i feel like that should be so viral yeah i mean it's like you either have to hit the, like the algorithm or something but like you said on feedback like sometimes i you know i i want people to be like hey man you're saying um too much or something or you know tell me but like i'll get like two or three people respond it's the same two three people and like i appreciate every comment but like sometimes i just want people if it sucks just tell brutally me brutally honest yeah right? just tell me yeah. hey man hey man stop uh you know like doing this with your hand or whatever or stop i 100 percent. i got yeah he's the i was the same way when we very first started and i was talking to a camera i'm like you i was um let's say a couple words yeah. um yeah i mean yeah i mean i mean i just slowly got better and um over time and the more i talked to the camera and people i, I always just, told him to just talk to the camera like you're talking to your buddy yeah that's yeah, the I, easiest way and i just got i'm a whole lot more comfortable now doing it yeah well, not me. I'm camera shy. No, I watched some of your videos the other night. No, that's yeah. that's Daryl. You just got to get the camera away from your face. Because so. it's like, hey, Dana. Mm. <laughs> I'm ugly. I figured so. you'll zoom out and take a zoom away from I it. can't. That's I why, can zoom in, but I can't zoom out. That's why I don't do YouTube because I'm ugly and I do just do a podcast and you just hear my voice. Yeah. But I'm uneducated and literate. So. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I'd like to say just one thing about our group real quick yeah. is being a generational group that we are, it really means a lot to me. And I, I can remember the campfires that we used to sit around on a piece of property we leased when he was very young and he was a baby. And bringing that back now to sit around the campfire once in a while and sit out in the camper and have a have a cold one or just sit around and talk about the day that that means a lot so if there's any of you older guys out there with family that you hunt with spend it and enjoy every moment of it yeah, yeah. that's honestly the number one reason why i asked my dad he can be a test to this i when i guided in indiana i was like man i really abandoned all my friends all my family everybody that i hunted with like how can i incorporate everything that i've done in the industry mind you i've been pro staff i've been salesman i've done everything in the industry i've guided and i'm like how can i tie all this together but still keep my family and friends incorporated and i was like we lost our lease we don't have another lease how can we all hang around a campfire and hang out and and have the the times that i loved most as a kid was going up north to hunting camp campfires campers everybody telling us how their hunt went that day that was my number one thing that i loved about deer camp and i wanted to incorporate that all and that's how this all started and then one day in the computer room at my dad's house i was like 15 or 16 i started making a facebook page and um and it was called right? lethal instincts at that point that was my very first name well actually the new generation outdoors was my very first name and that didn't last long and then I got into actually getting a real logo made and everything. It was called Lethal Instincts, and I absolutely love that name still to this day, but I sold it. I got in a bind as a 17 or 18-year-old and um, was like, oh, yeah, you can buy my page for $500, and I had like 2,000 followers, and now they have like 25,000 followers. And, and when he started all this, I remember he had so many people telling him, why are you even trying this? You're not going to do anything. You might as well just give up. Right. And he he just stuck to it because that's what he truly wanted to do inside, and he stuck true to him, his dream. And, and I think he came up with another one. Was it the 
uh, something generations or something. The new generation yeah, outdoors. That was before Lethal Instincts. Okay, and yeah. then I brought this out. But, and this has been. Yeah, oh, yeah. This is definitely, this has taken off and it's it's really grown. And every year we can see an improvement. And not only as follows followers, but as far as us as hunters, uh, as far as educating ourselves and uh, better success ratio. And, and the video quality, you could go yes. back and look yes. at some of the stuff that was first out and the stuff that he's doing now. He could do professional editing for anybody. For sure. So, um, before we get, you know, um, so like anything in between like now to season, you guys get, you know, like really pound on or anything. I mean, you We're guys are getting ready to go north to them spots that we just talked yeah. about and check out the sign now that everything's starting to, like, I feel like I was walking in that marsh today, just at my boss's house, just going to heat up some targets for his thermal out, out in his range. And I was walking on top of the snow and it's so cold that the snow is frozen. You can just walk on top of it. And I feel like it's prime right now to find sheds because the snow is not going to hide them. They're just going to lay right on top of the, right on top of right. the snow and they'll stand out. So I want to go up there and look for sheds, but I also want to look for rubs. Um, and I'm glad that we've had these couple warm days because it's the, now the snow's not eight ten inches up the tree where you can't see rubs. Right. I mean, not that don't, we're looking don't get for excited. Rubs. We got a storm coming in tomorrow night. Snow I know, up there, but it says it's supposed to rain here. Rain here, snow up there. Yeah, rain, rain here Wednesday, then three to five Thursday. <laughs> here, yeah, yeah. So, but that'll be the next step is shed hunting combined with scouting and I we're mean, still looking at turkey i mean we yeah, never yeah. give up on turkey in the spring no no we got it we're getting ready to release a turkey video actually yeah that's what we've got three kills you, do you guys use both for that or do you use it so i normally do but last year things got kind of crazy um i bow hunted the first day and you'll see in the video what happens um daryl ends up killing the bird and then the, that night, Zach shoots one with his bow. And then the rest of the turkey season was a freaking nail biter. Like, we got on so many birds, but we kept getting seen. We were pushing too far. And was, I, uh, Shannon and I did a lot of turkey hunting together, one of us as a cameraman, but I was using a bow. I wanted to get one with a bow. I've got one with a bow before, but that, that's a thrill to do. Yeah. And, uh, but Shannon's shoulder was out, so he was using a gun, but we get them circling out there for me at 45 or 50 yards and they'd be out there just gobbling their head off Yeah, just hung up and, and just won't come in. And then Shannon's got the gun, they'll go out there 120 yards to hang up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've only gotten one with a bow. So like, I'm, I don't really care. I, I I've only I, shot everybody, one with a bow. Also. Everybody said that God made him to get shot in the face with a shotgun. So I, I don't. I'm gonna try a gun this year. So Boston beaks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean turkeys. I don't know. I I caught the bug a little bit, but I'm not like too thrilled. You know what I mean? You it's gotta a, have a badass sit, and then you'll get hooked. So yeah. like last year. When you feel that thunder in your chest from 15 yards, yeah, blowing up in your face, yeah, and you can't even move, you're like, and you can hear them spitting and drumming, yeah. and it feels like you're getting kicked in the chest by King Kong. Yeah, I, it's I, like that's what whoa. I need. Whoa, that's what I need. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that's I've, literally why they call it spring thunder. I didn't understand. Like I was like, all right, thunder, their gobble kind of mm -hmm. shakes the woods, whatever. And then Daryl goes, "Can you feel him spitting and drumming?" And I'm like, "Yeah," and it's like. 
they do like that weird spit and drum in it. I mean, you can. It literally feels like you, when they spit, it feels like you're getting kicked in the chest by a bass drum. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa! That's why they call it Spring Thunder, and that's the coolest feeling in the world, man. I mean, not. It ain't as cool as shooting a big buck and watching them fall, but it's, it's springtime. What else can we do? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. So yeah, we got a really badass turkey video getting ready to come out. It's probably next to some of our deer hunts. It's it's my favorite edit that I've ever done. We got a lot of slow mo, a lot of second angles, a lot of four K stuff, and it's it's really, really, really good. Yeah. But um Let's get into what are we at time wise? Oh, we're at an hour and four minutes, so but okay. we can go whenever you um, know you guys real real quick around the table since we just met with Dan Infault, what's your number one tactic going into this year? Well, I'm just looking forward to like you say, trying to get away from everybody and it's more of these secluded areas. Using the same tactics that we've been having. Yeah, I want to use the same tactics like uh had a lot of great success was hunting over those scrapes and in, in the bedding area. Fresh. In fresh a, fresh you, yes. you've got to scout during season i don't care what anybody says because you can hunt sign that was there last year meaning that he was here and he may have survived but if he's not there now you're hunting sign that's a year old and you're hunting a ghost yeah well that's like i said in, in my video that i went over after my in my post hunt is finding and setting up on the fresh sign me and spencer found that sign the day before Haunted it, and the next day we killed that deer. And, and I'm pretty sure when we did a, remember when I called you, mm-hmm. and you said, you told me, you said, that this is the only sign I'm ever going to hunt again. You know, It I mean? was an eye-opener. Yeah. I mean, for me and him, oh, it yeah. was like, ah, that just made everything click. Come like, together. It yeah. literally did. Like, okay, I've walked in, and I've seen fresh rubs, and I'm like, cool, I'm in the area. Yeah, cool, cool. I'm hunting rubs. I'm in his bedding area. I'm in his kingdom, right, right. as I would say that deer was something different like i felt like i was on his path like not even that i didn't hunt it. i let him have it i could have hunted it if i wanted to but i'd rather see him kill him you know how many years he, he's got bad shoulders and stuff so he might not get to bow hunt for very much and many more years pray to god that you do but right um but, i mean i was like i want you to hunt this i want you to kill him i know there's more than one buck in here maybe but that's where i like to tell everybody when i tell the story and everything i make i shot the deer you know but i feel by me and him going and scouting and dad and him setting the camera it was kind of like a team effort yeah and the, the big thing was is that that camera pull that we had we didn't even know that those all those deer were on that camera until after we had already pushed in to scout the bedding area because we kept seeing kept on you could tell by the scrapes and what the terrain was you could tell where the bedding area was so after we pushed into the bedding area because we knew it was going to rain, we went home and checked the card and because I didn't have it in the field, I couldn't check it. Right. So we went home and popped the card in the camera, and every single deer came from that bedding area, like literally the direction where he killed his deer. So we're like, oh, yeah, go in there. And Got to. That just tells us that there's more in there. Because I went back ones. and hunted it. I went back and hunted it in the November – it was after Indiana? I think so. I think so it was like the – 10th 11th 12th somewhere right before gun season and i had two giants smashing it out 60 yards to my left as i'm hanging my stand like i get my first stick on and i'm like done hanging sticks i put all my other because that tree like we said earlier it's you're only hunting seven foot up so i put my one stick on and i'm like got my stand cammed up and i throw my strap around and i go to yank it tight and i hear horns locked together i'm like what the heck and i look to my left 
And all I see is just antlers. And I'm like, holy smokes. And then you just hear, they just smash each other and start going at it. I'm like, holy crap, let me use their noise. Let me get this stand up. I got to get my bow up here still. I got to set my camera arm. I got like 50 things to do. And I know these deer are going to be gone in two minutes. So I get my stand up and it won't set right. I keep like, I'm that, you know, that tree. It's I, just I, like, trust me, I know. It's like, you get your your stand on that tree and it just wants to wiggle all over the place. So here these two bucks are fighting to my left, and I'm like, I got my stand to hang still. I got to get my camera arm up. I got to do all this, and I'm rushing through it, and nothing's going right, of course, right? So I uh, get my stand on there and I get it set and I like cam it up and yank it tight and I go to set it down. And I get up there and I'm like in the middle of hanging my camera arm and my stand slides down on me. I'm like, oh, that was sketchy. Like, I'm not strapped in or anything. It's seven foot off the ground. If I fall, I'm just going to land on my feet. And that's me personally. Like, I feel perfectly fine if I fall seven feet. Mind you, you've told me thousands of stories that that's when most deaths happen. But whatever. It's like if I, I'm a pretty athletic person. If I fall, I'm going to land on my feet or at least land. Or your head, one or the other. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't think that would hurt him. But yeah, it might knock some sense into me. But uh, yeah, so we went back into that same bedding area that he killed his deer and that that year and i should have got in there sooner because all the sign that we hunted that he killed his deer on we didn't touch it for another month and there was deer in there tearing that area up since he had killed his deer and nobody went back so we everybody was pushing back far, well farther and nobody woods. in our group went back oh yeah to hunt that spot that you well, killed your deer and the first sit back in there i have two 130s smashing out 60 yards to my left and as i'm hanging my stand and i'm it. I got everything set up, my camera arm and everything. Bat, bat, blowing on my grunt call, hitting the can call, rattling. I'm like, come back over here. Like, I'm ready now. <laughs> yeah, we we talk about going north, and we're gonna we're gonna hit it, but we're not going to totally give up on some of the spots like that that we know there was multiple deer in. We're still gonna go look at them, still hang cameras. They may still be huntable. Yep. Even with the pressure, like we used the pressure for the other people pushing the deer over to us. That, sure. that bedding area is completely stacked. I mean, and it's literally 80 yards from the bedding area. And uh, don't, like, give away your spot or whatever, but, like, how long a commute would it be from your place, basically, to the northern, I mean? Oh, to the north where we want to go? Oh, yeah. Your spot's an hour. Or from your house, it's like an hour and 11 minutes. Oh, that's that not too bad. Okay. No, and we already drive 50 to, a, to the far side over by Frenchie. Oh yeah, that's, that's an over. hour and five minutes oh, yeah. from my house. Okay. So it's like I, I didn't know because like, I didn't know like sometimes like when you say in the north it could be like a three and a half hour. Right. No, drive. no, okay. it's like we're, um, it's just like don't blow up your spot. But yeah. no, yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean it's it's only about an hour and eleven minutes from your house, hour and a half from yeah. me. So it's like adding twenty minutes to my drive. And being, like, being retired, I'd like to go up and spend three or four days up in the UP. There's yeah. there's still some big deer up there. Yeah. But I just want to say this uh, to uh, one thing that we're going to do more this year is get in and scout with the boat in more remote areas. Yeah, we've got to get away boat, from that pressure. We, he's got an airboat now. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. So he's going to get the airboat I've ready. I've got the airboat going. I've got the kayak for smaller areas. We've got a canoe, and we've got the river runner. Yeah, we got four different boat options. So. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's we're going to use them. But the problem is, like, I'll throw it right out there. Maple River is flooded with boat hunters because 
everybody is trying to use that tactic now because it's a fad, right? Like, like hunting yeah, public, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, well, them and yeah, the hunting public's done it. Parker McDonald, he's a big kayak guy. He's like and the king of kayak. Like, so all them people are doing it. Yeah, like one of the spots where I, uh, or near where I shot my buck, is a lot of people they'll actually walk from the parking back all the way back to the river in a couple of different spots, like even over at uh, Papa's Bend in the road. Yeah. I mean, they'll do what they have to. They'll, some guys just walk a long way, and they'll get back close to the river just walking back. Yep. What's your number one tactic this year? You talked to Dan a lot this year, or at that meet and greet. Number one is I'm going to get much more comfortable in my saddle. I'm going to get much more comfortable using the sticks to get up wherever I need to be. And I don't think I'm going to push back to the river. I'm going to use some of the tactics like... Dan mentioned people are going way back. The deer are staying up close. Shannon's buck. So I'm going to explore that more. Brandon's buck this year. Brandon's buck. Yep. The guy at camp that killed that deer right next to our parking lot. Oh, the one that I got the picture of those in the truck and stuff or. Yeah. I think right. The guy that was hunting over corn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But still he killed that deer right next to our parking lot. It was like literally our camp I mean, was right there. Our camper and everything is right there. And it is, I'll bet you, 30 yards to his tree stand. Now, there was a big cornfield out in front of him. He's just catching the deer skirting the backside of the parking lot. Yeah, they're skirting the backside of the parking lot between the cornfields. And I went back through there scouting that area. Three days before season? Three or four days before season. And I went back about 500 yards and walked the whole edge of the transition swamp, hardwood stuff. And there was a, a number of trails but I see more rubs and stuff up close to the cornfields, and I would have thought, well, that's all night in the past. But I'm uh, I'm going to overlook that night theory now and at least get a camera in here and see when they're coming. That's the nice thing about cell cameras is they do a lot of the work for us. Yeah, instant and, and people hate them, right? But the way I look at it, it is like everybody's like, they're going to ban cell cameras. They're going to ban cell cameras. They're They're cheating. They're this, they're that. Guess what? We ran over 15 cell cameras this year, and not one time did we kill a deer because of a cell camera. Right. But if it's a tool that I can use to my advantage, I'm going to use it. I mean, you can hate on it all you want, well, but it's just like anything else in life. If something helps you be successful, why would you not do it? Right. As and long it, as it's legal and you want to use it, use it. Yep. Well, on your uh, comment about the rubs near fields and stuff... I think uh, you're bound to see rubs uh, during daylight next to like a standing cornfield. But like bean fields and uh, open fields, uh, alfalfa, I think when you see those rubs out there on those kind of fields, I think those are made at nighttime. That's where my thermal's going to pay off for me this year. Yeah, but uh, next to a cornfield or something where they got cover, it's just like a big thicket, I could see them traveling that during the day. Yeah. They actually bed in the cornfields. Yeah. I mean, so oh, yeah. many farmers get them caught up in their, in combine. their combines when they're, they won't, they can hardly push them out. I hate hunting next to corn. That's the funniest thing is like, yeah. my dad knows that about me. I hate it, man. Cause I'm like, the deer are in there. They're not coming out. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, uh, I think that's pr- pretty good. I mean, you guys covered a lot and, um, um, where can people like find you guys? I mean, everybody. Instagram, Public Land Prowlers, Snapchat, Public Land underscore Prowl. 
Um, our main stuff is going to be facebook.com forward slash publicly empowers and youtube.com forward slash publicly empowers. Facebook and YouTube are definitely our two main, main spots. Um, and, uh, you guys definitely need to get on generations to hunt Spotify, Facebook, yeah, Instagram, right? For sure. Yeah. 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 yeah everything right now. But, uh, yeah, I, you guys got some other really good local guys that have been on recently. So. Yeah. We're, we got a lot of people coming in and so like that's awesome the problem like i i don't know if you know i had a newborn and all that so yeah that was congratulations thank you yeah it's a lot more than well i don't care what anybody says you're not ready when it comes you're making my pullout game stronger yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah but uh but that and then like getting people in during season that's the toughest thing like hey you want to come talk about hunting and which we did over the phone i think that could yeah. be big yeah I know. how did it sound it sounded great i, I haven't even listened to it yeah it's I, all right. I, I, you gotta send me it yeah i don't even know oh, it's which, on it's on there it's on spotify yeah. is it yeah. i haven't even i i don't remember the episode i think that one was i think it's you and a guy named matt yeah 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 but uh i, I definitely probably get, i'm trying to get zap zach and brian brandon in here and then um once we get them guys I've, we gotta get daryl too yeah, Daryl is so bashful. <laughs> he's, yeah, but he would love this because he don't have to look at anybody. He's he don't like being in front of the camera. Yeah, he it, just don't like talking to the camera. I think he'd do all right. Yeah. He would love a podcast. He loves he, could, he loves we talking. Get, we, he loves talking deer and drinking beer. That's what I was saying. <laughs> I, I needed. That's what I'm working on. Kind of, you kind of see this. It's like I was going to build a studio out back, but you know, with the baby and stuff. But I, I'm going to get a mini fridge and get some bush lattes and all that oh, in yeah. here for you guys and you all that. You got to get some twisted teas for me. All right, what, whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll green room it up for you guys. But uh, yeah, I definitely want you guys back. And maybe just come back. And I know you guys probably have some stories from just oh, old time. You've I've been got, in an industry. I've got some old, old stories would, from when I put Spencer on the box cover of the Kids Arrows. <laughs> yeah, I was famous. Did he, you know that? he was. He was about this big. Yeah, <laughs> and I was on the magazine for Carbon Express. See, yeah, yeah. see, I would love to just one episode, just a nice BS section with you, just telling some of the like, because I was like, uh, was it called late uh, uh, bloomer? Like, yeah, late bloomer. Like I didn't get into really big hunting till I was like almost twenty. You know, I did it when I was here and there when I was younger in the teens, but. I didn't know, like, the, you know, I never watched, like, Matt Drury or, I mean, the Drury Boys. Drury Boys or nothing. So I would love to, like, hear all the old time stories and all that. One of my favorite was uh, I was traveling to it, just not even hunting. I was traveling to an archery show because I did a lot of the promos and stuff. And uh, we was on the way to the ATA show. Oh, no, it wasn't either. It was out in uh, the one in Vegas. The shot show? Shot show. And uh, we were flying out there. And Ted Dugent came from first class, walked back, and said, uh, and played for us. Yeah. And we just, I mean, we enjoyed, we enjoyed the trip. I mean, you couldn't ask for better entertainment. He said he yeah. just sat there and played the whole flight. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Holy but, moly. Yeah. Just That's sang so cool. to them all. Yeah. That's you guys cool. were just back there, and what'd you say? Uh, you were just we, in regular seats. Yeah, right? we were just back in, you know, the coach area. Yeah. And, you know. Of course, he's traveling first class, but yeah. he didn't let that stop. He's he's as down home as you ever want to meet. Right. Yeah, I Love just want to, uh, when you mentioned about you started around 20, I can remember he was just born in the hospital like a day old, and my dad's holding him in his arms, right? And he takes his hand, and he says, now you get your hand, and you take it right there, and he pulls it and puts it right to his lip, get your anchor. This like is when it. fingers was still a big thing. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. They've got video of me literally like, 
from that point in like it would be a cool video to do for public land browsers if I could get the VHS stuff. I've got the video and everything. And like you can see me as I'm like one, two, and I start getting a what was that bow? It was like a Nerf bow. Nerf bow. And yeah, like, and I'd pull it back and dry fire it, but I'd yeah. get my anchor at like one. Yeah, yeah. he was pulling yeah. back, and half the time he would shoot it at like a halfway and get your anchor, you know, four or five times, and he pulled back and he get his anchor perfectly. I and knew let what it, go. it meant at yeah. like two. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, but they've been doing that since I was literally out of the womb. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, I really appreciate you guys coming. So yeah, for sure, oh, we enjoy it. Yeah, we appreciate you having us. Yeah, I like your ideal of uh, old time stories. Would be a good sit around a campfire and just tell our stories. For sure. I mean, I, I this thing can go anywhere. Yeah, right? I can take this one. I got a, actually a mobile one too. I got a mobile one, and we can we got the headset, and I can. Well, you can, and you we and can have, have a have turkey to... camp with a fire going and sit uh, around drinking sure. a few cold ones and share some old stories. And deer camp. You, yeah, we deer... got to get you and Matt out there. We got to. Yeah, we got to do an episode on that. Yeah, we can because do... you guys are. As green as it gets with public land. Yeah, I mean, so, like, yeah. I'd love to take you or him out and just say, hey, come with me, see hey. how I do it one time. Yeah, and he'd have a pretty good success rate because uh, it doesn't do that well with his, himself all the time. Yeah, I know. I put zero. other people on deer like crazy. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, other it's, people. He it's your guiding instinct. It's got to it? be, dude, because I don't. I'll tell, like. He second guesses himself when it's for him. Oh. For I'll tell you, somebody you, to go to a random place. I'm like, wind's good here. Go sit here. This is a spot I scouted. I seen 17 deer and three bucks. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Well, it's just like me, that first buck I seen this year. He said, he put the pin. He says, go set here. The wind's perfect. I went and sat there and 120. He gets out there and he says, A or B. Hey, maybe I better move over here. Maybe I better move over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'd have went to the tree he told me to go to, I probably would have killed that buck. I'd have probably tagged out in Michigan. And then you'd have killed that other one. Yeah. All right. Well, see you later. Thanks for having us. Yep. yep.